Hello, and welcome to the Reader's Quadrant, an Empyrean podcast. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Samantha. We are doing a chapter-by-chapter reread and analysis of the Empyrean book series written by Rebecca Yaros. We do swear, and we are not spoiler-free. You have been warned. We will be discussing connections from this chapter to Iron Flame at the end of the episode. We didn't want to spoil Iron Flame for those who haven't had a chance to finish it, but we didn't want to totally ignore it either. So... Before we get into our chapter recap, um, let's go into the battle brief section. So if you are like Samantha and I on social media, you've probably seen posts with exclamation marks excitedly proclaiming that on January 1st, 2024, book three in the series is going to come out because that's what it says on Goodreads. (laughs) (laughs) And we are here to... Make your day a little worse and tell you that Rebecca Yaros has confirmed that that is in fact not true as she has not even started writing it. So yeah, (laughs) that will not be happening. No, I mean, closest to that would be Crescent City 3 if you're into that series too. (laughs) Yeah, at least that'll tide us over for a few days. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then I have seen other stuff that say it's going to come out next December, like at any point like that you see a date guys that's just it's just guesswork nobody knows there is no date that has officially been released so until that comes from red tower books or rebecca yaros herself i wouldn't believe anything that we're seeing online yeah because she's also said how she basically had to speed write both of these books to get them out in the time frame that she did and she made it sound like she doesn't want to do that again she made it sound like she wants to take her time more with this one and for the sake of quality control issues that happened with iron flame and the fourth wing holiday edition i sincerely hope that they do take their time yeah especially with the language i think that's part of the reason why there were so many issues um with using the gallic words mm-hmm. because she didn't have that time and so now she is taking that time she's gotten a tutor she's trying to actually learn it so that she can use it more appropriately and that just takes time mm-hmm I'm just really hoping that her publisher really takes this time to reflect on themselves and think about what they've done (laughs) in terms of all of the issues that have happened. So I think the more time for them, the better. But I mean, Iron Flame is a 250,000 word book. Like, Mm -hmm. and people had issues, had their own issues with it. So I think it's for the best that we don't get the third one for for a while let her sit on it i mean she said she has the whole series plotted out as it is so let her take her time and get it as good as it can possibly be is what i say yeah i agree i'm always willing to wait for better quality yeah exactly um and until that point in time you'll you'll have samantha and i's lovely voices taking you through the first two books chapter by chapter so yay you can always have a great time you can always join us weekly now we've just made that decision we are going to be a weekly podcast yes we wanted to keep bringing you our uh our content um we're just kind of segues nicely to our next thing we are currently at about 1350 listens total of our podcast which is just mind-blowing like i can't even believe it i guess it's amazing you guys are all amazing thank you we love you 
please, you know, keep listening and share us with your friends. Um, it's just, it's been an amazing ride and we're excited to see where it goes. Yeah, it's it's so exciting. Seeing those numbers go up every week is such an exciting time. We, or Samantha and I are constantly sending screenshots to each other. Oh my God, we just hit this number. We hit this number and it's, it's crazy. Also not a joke. We literally do. We literally yeah. take screenshots and send them to each other. Yeah, if you could see our chat, it's just screenshots and, gi- and GIFs. Pretty much. Screenshots and GIFs. Yep. <laughs> um, and then the last thing we kind of wanted to chat about here, which is something cool, is Rebecca Yarrow shared her Iron Flame Spotify playlist. And so this is apparently the songs that she listened to while she was writing Iron Flame. So mm-hmm. we'll post a link to that in our show notes of this episode if you want to take a look at the inspiration for the book. I think it's pretty cool. I think so, too. She did the same thing with Fourth Wing, so mm-hmm. um, you can always find that playlist as well. Yeah, there's songs she listened to while writing it, and also just songs that she felt fit the theme and tone of the book. Yeah. So it kind of can give you, you know, it can give you some insight into maybe if you wanted to take you know and dissect the lyrics if you want to but I don't know if I would go that far but you never know yeah who knows I'm just here for the vibes clearly she likes the same type of music that we do also because I have not like had any problems with any of the songs in them (laughs) no I'm a big fan um so that looks like should conclude our battle brief so we're gonna go ahead and move into our recap In the last chapter, we accompanied Violet across the parapet, where we got a lot of exposition about Navarre and the various provinces within it. In the end, there was a dangerous encounter with the one and only Jack Barlow, which ended with Violet officially becoming a cadet. And ended with Jack possibly having some important parts cut off. Yeah, he could have been best friends with uh, Theon. (laughs) (laughs) Reek. (laughs) (laughs) think of him besties poor theon (laughs) oh his favorite toy oh no Um, (laughs) moving on (laughs) into chapter three um so this chapter starts with a quote the quote is blue dragons descend from the extraordinary Gotamphalus line Known for their formidable size, they are the most ruthless, especially in the case of the rare blue dagger tail, whose knife-like spikes at the tip of their tail can disembowel an enemy with one flick. And that's from Colonel Kaori's Field Guide to Dragonkind. Okay, the thing that makes me laugh about this so much, though, is Sigale is a dagger tail, right? Yes. Okay, and so it's saying that um, the blue dagger tail um, can disembowel an enemy with one flick. But <laughs> if you just think about the one scar that Zayden got from uh, Scale is that like really artistic, sexy cut like across his eyebrow. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> can you just imagine? She, she's like, no, just hold so still. Let me just. <laughs> you know what? I bet she just has that good of control. <laughs> She's like, you don't understand. I bet understand. that's all her. You don't understand? <laughs> the girls would go crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I also just want to, before we get too distracted, um, so the name of the dragon that these descend from, 
which I'm really hope I tried. I listened to the video. As far as I can tell, it's pronounced Gadam Thalas. And so, according to um, our favorite TikToker, um, Marin, if I'm pronouncing her name correctly too, uh, Gadam means blue and Phallus means shadow. Um, she points out that in true Gallic, these would be flipped uh, because it goes, ad they should just be flipped grammatically. But um, I find it kind of interesting since Zayden's signet is shadows. Mm -hmm. So I just find that kind of an interesting little tie-in. So it's just a little history on the blue dragons before we meet one. Okay, so, um, and I, we meet Colonel Kiori later. So as we move into the chapter, um, Violet and Jack have some parting words. And then he just kind of wanders off. Which is fine. Um, Rhiannon finds Violet and then they celebrate together for a hot second before Violet's knee gives out. Real quick though, um, Rhiannon mentions that she saw a second year with pink streaks in her hair. Is that Imogen? I think it must be. Because I'm pretty or sure... Or her hair purple? No. I thought it was pink though. Because I also make note in my section that there is another glimpse of a girl with half pink hair and i also asked the same question is that imogen and i think it is okay i think so too she also mentioned seeing a person a man with dragon scale tattoo up his arm i don't think we've met that person yet unless i'm just forgetting someone it's very possible that i have forgotten somewhat the person who has this tattoo but it just seems interesting to point out if we're not going to see that person later so there's that and then lucky for her i guess dane finds her at that moment and violet thinks he's just so gorgeous now Ugh. he's just gone from cute and attractive to gorgeous barf so uh <laughs> he takes her to the side and rhiannon rightfully so is immediately suspicious of him dane checks violet over and she tells him that she hurt her knee I also want to point out, this is the first time that he touches her face. He touches her face and moves it from side to side to check her. I also just want to, going back to the line about, sometime in the last year, Dane Atos went from attractive and cute to gorgeous, and just com compare and contrast that with the line where she first sees Zayden, where it says, mm, he's yeah. the most exquisite man I've ever seen. So Yes. Take that. Dane. Take that. Um, Dane is surprised that she has daggers with her when he really shouldn't be. Like, come on, dude. She's just crossed the parapet. She's in the writer's quadrant. You didn't think Mira or, frankly, even her mother would send her with nothing, did you? Like, I don't know. That's just... He seems a little dumb there to me. I'm going to warn everyone right now that if you're a fan of Dane, this is going to be a really hard chapter for you to get through with us. Yeah, there's a lot of Dane hate in this, um, so sorry, but this is, chapter is going to be kind of a Dane hate fest because it's our first time meeting him and there's so much Dane. Um, Rhiannon and Violet change their boots back and Dane introduces himself to Rhiannon, revealing that he's a squad leader. Violet notes that only exceptional second years become squad leaders, even though we literally only see second years as squad leaders. Yeah, but this... that's besides the point. That was that was weird to me too. I was like, 
I'm very confused by this. Like, I feel like this is just a mistake. Yeah, kind of like how in, like, Akatar mates are rare, but then everybody has a freaking mate. Yeah, I feel like Rebecca Yaros just wanted to show us that Dane is, like, exceptionally skilled. But... Yeah. <laughs> like you know, there, There's it, better it, ways to do that, though. It, it, like, if you've read Iron Flame... We'll talk about that later. Yeah. <laughs> and then Dane sends Rihanna to go... Um, have both herself and Violet put in his squad. Um, so after Rhiannon leaves, Dane takes Violet to go wrap her knee in private in his room. And right off the bat, he shows no faith in Violet. He says, quote, you're going to die if we don't find you a way out of here. Ugh. Which kind of becomes his mantra throughout this entire freaking book. It's always, you're going to, it's like, it's like in a Christmas story. You're going to shoot your eye out. You're going to die in here. <laughs> Um, I also want to point out, just going back a page, um, Rhiannon introduces herself as Violet's friend. Like, they're already... She does pause, though. She pauses when she says friend. But she says it. And then when Dane says, if anyone asks, then you tell them exactly what I said. It's just adrenaline working out of her system. And then Rhiannon, her reply to that is amazing. It's no one's business what's going on with violence, so I wouldn't say shit. She's already showing more, like, faithfulness and, oh, she has faith in Violet's abilities than Dane is. And mm-hmm. Dane is supposedly the one who knows her best outside of her family. Ugh. Yeah. We all deserve a Rhiannon in our life. This is so true. So then Violet shares her kind of tells Dane that her mother is why she's in the writer's quadrant, of course. And Dane just kind of goes off about it again. Uh, he, Violet also notes when she says her knee is sore that she's known Dane since they were five and six. It's like they've been friends since they were really, really young. Um, and that his father is one of her mother's most trusted advisors. And she also knows that Dane was the one who was there for her um, when Mira left and when Brennan died. So, I mean, which is also kind of sad. Cause, I mean, her parents were both alive for both of those. And it's like, I know they were going through their own grief, but at the same time, they, they had their, you know, Violet was still young-ish. Mm-hmm. She was, a, what, just into a teen? She was, what, 14 when that happened? Because she's 20. Yep. Yeah. They note that she's technically not supposed to be in the second year dorm, so she teases Dane that she can just tell people that she's there to sleep with him. Again, barf. And then she also notes that Dane can use magic now since he has a dragon. And she just kind of... She's surprised, but also realizes that she shouldn't be surprised. They have a lot of sexual tension and teasing of each other. um, And they admit that they miss each other. Violet wraps her knee, and it's kind of revealed, incidentally, that they have seen each other naked before. Because when she goes to change to put the wrap on, he turns away, and she says, well, it's nothing you haven't seen before. And and he says, well, we're not sneaking away to swim in the river. So it's mentioned on uh, the page before this about how Dane has a book on the Crovelin language that Violet gave him from last summer. And that just kind of ties into what we've been seeing about so much about different languages in just the mm-hmm. first three chapters of this book, which is, yeah. Yeah. Just like so many different languages mentioned. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, this whole book has been translated from another language. Yeah. Into the quote-unquote modern language, whatever that is. Grudgingly, I admit that Dane is evidently smart. He he can read other languages. Do we want to admit that? <laughs> I mean, I, I can't really read another language, so, you know, he has... <sighs> He has that up on me. Yeah, I suppose. We'll give him that. He can have one thing. I mean, that's probably what made him and Violet so close to begin with. They both have a love for, like, written word. True. True. Um, so after she fixes her knee and wraps it and it feels better, they start to leave and head back. Uh, they talk some more about Lilith's decision to send Violet to the writer's quadrant. And Violet notes that Lilith made her decree after Violet passed the exam. And when, the reason I mentioned that is because after she says that, Violet notes with pride that Major Gilstead would be pleased to see that she made it across. Which I thought was great. Because she said he'll be so proud when he reads the roles tomorrow and sees that I'm not on them. She, she doesn't even say, like, oh, her mom will be so proud. It's just... No. <laughs> it's just Major, Major Gilstead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, they have a very strained relationship right now so mm-hmm. um then dane tells violet his plan to get her to the scribe scribe quadrant through the healer's quadrant which then causes her to literally stop in her tracks violet like stops and she's like what like what are you talking about and dane says the scribe quadrant and violet's like wait i can't go to the scribe quadrant so this is the first instance i believe of dane not believing in her uh since the start of the book that's all anyone other than her own mother has done like questioned her abilities thought less of her and it's just on and on oh and i guess up until this point rhiannon also never said anything like that frankly even jack yeah although i thought i thought jack said like um the wind will like throw you off the parapet or whatever True, but once she got, like, across, like, made it, you know, a certain point, he's like, well, when you are across, or something. Yeah. I forget exactly what his wording was, but he implied that she was going to finish crossing. Yeah. So then Dane's like, oh, this place is going to kill you. And Violet's like, shut up. Like, like, what I don't understand about all these people is, do you think that she is not aware, like, of her own limitations? I know. (laughs) Yeah. I do love how she stands up to him, though. I agree. It's amazing. I I just, whenever people point out another person's flaws, I was like, do you not think that that other person already knows that and thinks about that, like, all the time? Why are you pointing this out? So then Dane continues. Like, she is fighting against, back against him, and he continues, and he says, you'll break the first time that they put you in the sparring ring. And that's before the dragon sense that you're dot, dot, dot. Mm-hmm. He's such a dick. Like, he's saying that she's fragile. And then he has the gall to say, stop putting words in my mouth. Yes. And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what were you going to say? They're, they sense that you're amazing, like, so strong, so incredible. Like, that is not what you were going to say. <sighs> So this fight continues on. And then Dane also says, there's no guarantee a dragon will bond you. Like, they, like she has just crossed the parapet and he's already thinking ahead to other ways that she's going to fail. She won't be able to beat someone in the sparring mat. The dragon's not going to bond her. Like, she's going to be a failure. Why? Also, she knows that dragons don't bond everybody. 
She knows that. It doesn't need to be said. Because he says, you know, last year they had 34 unbonded cadets. You don't think she doesn't already know that? Yeah. and She knows you, everything. <laughs> you don't think that she already doesn't think that she's going to be the one that's not bonded? Like, so Violet thinks to herself, next to Mira, Dane is the person who knows me the best on the entire damn continent. And even he thinks I can't hack it here. So it hurts her that Dane thinks this. And it hurts her even more that Dane put her in his squad just to get her to leave. Like... Mm-hmm. when he put her in his squad i'm pretty sure she thought initially like oh wow like he wants to like be near me like maybe help me get through this no he he wants to do it so we can get close to her to like take her to the scribe quadrant and like i i just question this like in what possible world would that work like are you allowed to do that i know no god no <laughs> come on they'd feed you to a dragon that's desertion right there yeah he says, putting on leathers doesn't make you a rider. They're going to tear you to shreds. And if they don't, the dragons will. Like, dear Lord, why is this man your friend? I know. And also, I kind of, I wonder what his dragon is saying to him hearing this conversation. You know what I mean? Like, is his dragon agreeing with him? Like, yeah, they'll, they'll notice it. Or is his dragon like, dude, you might want to just chill? I don't know. Because we don't really know much about his dragon or its uh personality yeah not at this point um no so then violet tells him like yeah my mother has told me that i can't leave and he's like oh shit but then he's like okay well we'll find another way he is not listening to her at all like she wants to stay at this point yeah. she does not want to leave and it's not even a case of miscommunication she is explicitly stating no I am not leaving, actually. I am staying. (sighs) She is using her words and he is not listening. And he doesn't listen to her for the entire book. No. So they keep walking and then we get a description of the courtyard. So we see here that it easily fits a thousand riders. It's shaped like an angular teardrop. And along the sides are stone walls. There's one end for academics, one for dorms. And the rotunda linking the two buildings serves as the entrance to the gathering hall, commons, and the library. And then the commandant and the vice commandant are both in full military dress there. So they hang out in this courtyard and they wait for another two hours until the last cadets pass the parapet. Like this thing takes all day. So, okay, the last of the cadets walk into the courtyard followed by the three riders from the other turret. Does that mean that Zayden and those other riders had to walk across the parapet again? No, there's another way that they can go across. They just make all the cadets cross the parapet, but there is a different way to get in and out. Because I was like, Zayden for sure would walk across because like, even when Violet finds him later in this book and he's just sitting out in the middle of there. Yeah. (laughs) That's a great scene, by the way. I do love that scene. So, anyways, Zayden is among the three that enter the room, and Violet notes that other riders, like, move around to give him a wide berth. So, I am unsure at this point if this is because of his reputation at Basgiath, or if this is just because he's, like, a rebel's kid. Like, what do you think? I think it's both, honestly. Um, Because the people who are there... They already know his dragon, like who his dragon is, and mm. Scale's a badass bitch. Yeah. So I think they don't want to mess with her rider. And I think it is also because of the uh, 
who his father is. Um, another thing I just want to note, too, is that, um, going back a little bit, Rhiannon introduces Violet to Terra, who oh, is right. from the Marine province to the north along the coast of the Emerald Sea. And uh, she reminds Violet of Mira. And I could be wrong, but isn't Terra one of the ones that ends up dying? Isn't Terra the one that Rihanna, Rhiannon has a relationship with? Oh, you're right. You're right. I'm sorry. Yes, that's her girlfriend. Yeah. Well, they're they're on and off. I don't know that they're exclusive. So we know that 301 people have survived the parapet, which means that 20% died, which is more than usual. Because I think we discussed last time that like 15% normally die, I think was the number. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's some talking. They're, they're talking about General Melgren. Mm-hmm. And there's Command- Commandant Pancheck. He's chatting about how 67 people died and he's like smiling. It's kind of gross, but you know. Yeah, because they say it's like a politician's smile. And Tara says that the position is a stepping stone for him because he wants General Melgren's job. Um, and I, did, I didn't look up their names. Did you? Panchek and Melgren? Did we discuss those? Melgren, I think we said was like middleman. And Panchek, I can't remember. Um... But anyways, Violet says that, oh, Panchak will never get Melgren's job because Melgren's signet allows him to see the battle's outcome before it happens. So, like, how could you possibly take take that general position? There's just no way. Um, okay. So, statistics say that a quarter of the 301 people will live to graduate. That's approximately 75 people, which is kind of yeah. crazy. I just looked up what Panchak means. And according to the Hindu calendar, there are five days in every month in which it is not considered good to do auspicious work. So they're bad days, basically. These days are called Panchak. We're getting so such a variety of um, like origins of these names and words, which is fun. Yeah, it is a slight it's a slight spelling difference as C-H-A-K instead of E-K, but otherwise... Well, I mean, at least this time identical. she's changing the spelling on some of these. So Violet says, Every cadet in this courtyard thinks they have what it takes to become one of the elite, a dragon rider. I can't help but wonder for the smallest of seconds if maybe I do too. Maybe I can do more than just survive. I feel like she's really taken a hit to her confidence. Like, if these people... <laughs> Well, yeah, anybody would. Like, literally every single person yeah. important to her is telling her you can't do and, this. And I just, like, <laughs> this is such a shitty day for them to say that to her. Okay, so we learn that discipline falls to your wing leader, which will play a part in just a second here. So um, then we get into where they are getting called into the different wing sections. So Jack is called into the flame section of first wing. Rhiannon and Violet are called to the second section of the Second squad flame section. So this whole page is really just military speak. Violet explaining squads and sections. And this didn't make sense to me until Mm -hmm. I saw like the diagram at the front of Iron Flame. So if you have a physical copy of Iron Flame, just go look at that. And that'll help you more. It's really helpful. Even if you don't have a physical copy of Iron Flame, you can probably find it online. Yeah, just somewhere. Google it. I it'll do better at explaining it than I can. 
Yeah, well, actually, we'll, we'll post a picture of it in our Instagram so you can all see it. Oh, good idea. Um, so we get our second glimpse of Imogen here. Um, there's two stars on her uniform. She has a half-shaved, half-pink hair, and she has a rebellion relic that winds around her forearm from her wrist to above her elbow. Uh, and I, I love Imogen. Yeah, me too. Like, she's great. I... <laughs> I am a fan of her. I'm just going to say. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I am I am just laughing at this because next we see that Violet is a um, physical representation of me because she says, I have exactly two shades when it comes to the sun. Pale and burned. <laughs> now, I am a redhead. A very pale redhead. So I relate to this. I relate to this. I feel seen. Like the Irish girl on the beach? No, not her. The other one? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, Violet notices Zayden watching her. Um, She lifts her chin, he cocks an eyebrow, and talks the second wing wing leader. Dane, like, hisses at Rhiannon to be quiet because he's the worst. Yeah. Because he's the worst. He is. Like, they're not really doing anything. Rhiannon just said, what do you think they're talking about? Dane's like, quiet. Oh my god. Chill. Yeah. He's like he's like Hermione, but like when she was bad in the first book, if that makes sense. Like before the troll. <laughs> yeah, like it's no wonder she hasn't got any friends. Yep, she he's that Hermione. Yeah, he is so obsessed with the rules. He is so uptight. Yeah. Anyways. So yeah, Zayden's talking to the second wing wing leader, and then <laughs> Violet's section gets moved to fourth wing and there we have the meaning behind the name of the book this is zayden's wing and as we just learned wing leaders are in charge of discipline for the wing so i mean violet's gonna be seeing a lot of zayden clearly so then zayden um begins his speech uh he said the only people only people in your squad aren't allowed to kill you uh, he kind of plays off the arrogance of the cadets. And he's like, I bet you feel pretty badass. And they're all like, yeah. <laughs> it's honestly it's honestly kind of cringe. Like, <laughs> bet you feel invincible after the parapet. <laughs> and they're all like, yeah. Um, oh, man. And then there's wings. And then they all kind of shit their pants because the dragons come. <laughs> and... And what I found interesting, I don't think I got this when I first read it, is that the dragon's wings, their wings are described as semi-translucent. I never noticed that before. So you can, like, kind of see through their wings. Kind of freaky to me. Like That's kind of freaky to that me. That kind of reminds me of, like, a dragonfly's wings. Mm-hmm. Because they're kind of... Or, like, you a, can see them, but they're... Or, like, a bat's. Because, like, in the light, if the light is behind a bat, you can kind of see, like, the veins and stuff. Oh, yeah, that's true. So, okay. So there's... Five, is it five? Oh, there's eight. Okay, so eight dragons land on the wall, and then the cadets scream. <laughs> and I, I made a note here. I was like, I doubt it's the rebel kids that are screaming. So what the hell are these other people doing there? You chose to be there. Yep. And you're screaming at dragons. Maybe it's one of those things where you don't know what it is until you're 
experience it. You know what I mean? Like they these people most of them have never seen a dragon. They just say hear about dragon riders and they think they sound so cool and badass. Mm. It's like, yeah, I wanna ride a dragon. Yeah. Then they actually see one, they're like, oh fuck. <laughs> I actually don't want to ride a dragon. I changed my mind. Except once you get into the rider squadron, you can't change your mind. Nope. So you know Nope, can't leave. Um so a navy blue one lands directly in front of Violet. This is scale. Yes. Sick. I love scale. She's awesome. She is. Um, so she has glistening blue horns that rise uh, above her head in an elegant lethal sweep. And uh, on the tip of their top joint of their wing is crowned by a single fierce talon. They're all deadly. All these dragons. Mm-hmm. And then Dane. Oh, we're going to have to bring in the masons again. <laughs> as chunks of rock crumble under the dragon's grips. Like what? 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 What the hell does that have to do with him? Also, Why does he care? Also, you just yelled at Rhiannon for talking. Hypocrite. What? what is he in charge of the maintenance of the <laughs> fucking courtyard? Like. <laughs> also, I do like how earlier before that, like, Violet's like, the edge of the fortress is a fucking perch. <laughs> or she says a damned perch, but it's still. This sweet. just annoyed. This just annoyed me, though, because I was like, why? Why do you care? <laughs> They have to call on the Masons. Is this coming out of your personal allowance? Like, <laughs> oh, we're going to have to call the Masons again. Like, do you think the Masons okay. are like people who are doing this by hand? Or do you think that they are people with signets who can like mold rock? Uh, I think they're people who are doing it by hand. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, it would suck. But I mean, you know, the economy, jobs and whatnot. I suppose. <laughs> okay, so there's three dragons um, in various shades of red. Two shades of green, one brown, one orange, and then the navy blue one. So we're kind of getting the taste of the rainbow here. I think the only color we're missing right here is the black out of the dragons that are available. Yes. Um, so Violet notes that dragons need riders to develop their own signets and weave the wards. So I, there was a lot of questions about why would dragons like ever let humans ride them that is why they cannot harness their own magic yeah so they need the riders to channel that and they don't have hands <laughs> they literally it's a thing they don't have hands with which to do the intricate magic and things like that <laughs> i have a big head and tiny arms <laughs> Okay, (laughs) moving on, there's, um, so, seeing all these dragons, um, (laughs) a cadet begins to run, and he's straight up burnt. Yep. Just burnt. And then two more cadets are as well. My question is, I'm like, you people are so stupid. You see this first guy run, he literally gets burned to death, and then you think to yourself, oh yeah, that's a good idea. Did they run after? Yep. Oh, yeah. A cadet bolts out of third wing, screaming as he makes a run for the stone. Keep behind us. Mm. Uh, the red dragon opens its mouth. Fire erupts. Uh, heat from the flames blasts out of my face. I jerk my attention forward. If anyone else runs and is likewise executed, I don't want to see it. More screaming sounds around me. I lock my jaw as hard as I can to keep quiet. There are two more gusts of heat, one to my left and another to my right. Mm. So, yeah. After. Um... So 
Then the navy dragon staring directly at Violet. Mm-hmm. The dragon blinks, which might be a sign of approval or boredom, and looks away. What do you think this line means? Hmm. It kind of reminds me of a cat. Honestly. Like, if a cat... Like, do you think she's talking to Zayden right now? Probably. And I, I think... This sounds really dumb. But like, if a cat looks at you and, like, slow blinks at you, that means it's saying hello. Hmm. And so that's what my brain kind of goes to. I mean, boredom, yeah, maybe, but I have a feeling that she's not bored here. Like, why would she be bored here? That doesn't make sense. Yeah, I just, I just thought it was interesting because it's like, do you think in this moment, Zayden was thinking about Violet and that's why Scale like kind of turned her head I, to look at her? I, I, I have a thought on that, but it'll have to wait till the end. Oh, okie dokie. Um, so Zayden in his speech mentioned King Tauri's second son who died during the threshing. So he's just making that point to say that literally no one is safe. Now everyone is kind of shitting their pants. They're not so macho anymore. And Zayden ends the chapter by telling everyone that you're not untouchable or special to the dragons. To them, you're just the prey. Nice and warm and fuzzy sentiments from our, from our main man. I will say though, he is a very good public speaker. Like his whole speech, like from start to end, is a very good speech. Like he knows how to command an audience. Yeah, because he's like, oh, you think you're king shit? No, you're not. Exactly. Like these these kids needed to be humbled. Let's be real. Oh, yeah. Um, okay, so let's move into our assembly meeting. We had a couple of questions from our Discord. Um, so the first one, Marguerite says, when Vi is standing in front of Scale and lifts her chin and refuses to squirm, I wonder what Scale thinks. Like, I wonder if this first impression of Vi is what leads to her, leads her to share with Taryn when she defends Andarna. Um, maybe. I feel like, yes, there's definitely... Scale is assessing, like Samantha and I were just talking about, Scale is clearly assessing mm-hmm. Violet. Yeah. Trying to like read her. And like we were just saying, I think probably Zayden was, they were talking in that moment. Um, I don't know what her first impression of Vi is. I don't, I am not under the impression that Scale is like a huge fan of Violet, if I'm being honest. Probably not at this point. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think... I don't think she, well, how could she have a lot of respect for her? She doesn't know her, who she is. She hasn't seen anything, but. All she knows is that she's Lilith's daughter. I think she's curious because this is a tiny, scrawny little girl who is like staring directly at her and not looking away. Mm-hmm. So I think she's curious and I think she's probably talking to Zayden, but. I think. I don't know if you have any different thoughts. She sees, you know, this scrawny girl standing in front of her like holding her own to what we know to be one of the most terrifying dragons, like one of the most formidable and fearsome of all of them. And so I think that would have to earn at least some modicum of respect. Yeah. Um, okay. And then Emily Isabel asks, oh, do you remember what you thought of either Dane or Zayden during your first read through first impressions? Um, I don't, I didn't, I don't know that I had any serious dislike for Dane at this point in time on my first read Mm-mm. of Fourth Wing. I thought he was just overly concerned. 
like maybe a little annoying with the way that he like wouldn't listen but i didn't have any like deep disdain um yeah kind of same like i didn't have a problem with dane at first um i kind of liked him honestly for a very long time until i didn't (laughs) in all honesty in all honesty what i probably was thinking was oh okay here is the third part of our love triangle yeah this is the third piece (laughs) which is not wrong um (laughs) yeah more of a one-sided although once we started seeing more and more of zayden i definitely was like "Ooh, this guy (laughs) yeah zayden uh first impressions is very much giving resand from akatar yeah yeah like they're kind of similar characters just the descriptions, like Samantha and I were talking about earlier in the chapter, the first description of J- uh, Zayden is, this is the most exquisite man I've ever seen. Which is almost and then verbatim. Dane, <laughs> yeah, Dane is like, oh yeah, he's he's gorgeous, but it's not quite on the same level of this is the most exquisite man I've ever seen. And then she has like a visceral physical reaction to seeing Zayden. Mm-hmm. Whereas Dane, it's like warm fuzzies because this is her childhood friend. Yeah. So, yeah, I was probably like, okay... Love triangle incoming. This guy is the one maybe we're supposed to root for. Yeah. Because he'll be representing the quote unquote nice guy. Right. And also she's had a crush on him like forever. You know, what we yeah. seem to indicate is an unrequited crush. So, I mean, for her, it's like, oh my God, my crush finally likes me. Oh my God. You know, so she's trying to wrestle with that. Um, okay, so those are the two questions that we had. So if you ever have questions for us um, that you'd like to be answered on future episodes about future chapters, join our Discord. Lots of great discussions happening in there. Yes. Um, or send us a message on Instagram, email us, you know, whatever tickles your fancy. Uh, okay, so what have we been up to this past week? For myself, I binged the first four episodes of the season six of the crown Ooh, nice. because I am freaking obsessed that with that show because I, because I don't like the Royals and I think this paints them in a really terrible light. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even care if it's true. Like I just live for the drama. Right. I, well, plus I especially liked the first two seasons are honestly my favorite. Cause I like that kind of period stuff with it. Mm. Um, yeah. And I love that glamour of that kind of era in a way. Uh, but I got rid of Netflix a long time ago, a while ago, so I haven't seen any of the. Um, oh shoot, what's her name? The newest act, Olivia Coleman. Oh, no. um, Imelda Staunton. Yes, I have not seen any of the Imelda Staunton seasons. She's good, and I might even be missing one of the Olivia Coleman ones. I just these. It's harder for me watching these seasons because now it's, like, recent memory. Mm-hmm. Like, I was alive. Right. And so I'm like, oh, okay. You know? Mm-hmm. But it's still good. Like, I'm still dying to watch the last four episodes. Like, I can't wait. Is that the last season, season six? This is going to be the last season, yeah. I think they're ending with um, William and Kate meeting each other at university. I know she's supposed to be in it because I saw that they cast her. Yeah, and I don't know if it'll be, like, the last episode, like, she's only in one episode, or if that's what they're going to focus on for the rest of the season. Like, if they're going to do a little bit of another time jump. Mm. I guess we'll see. I think it comes out, like, mid-December, so we'll see. Uh, As far as reading goes, 
I have just started. I think it might be a little crazy. I'm starting an entire SJM universe reread. So I just started with Throne of Glass. I love that book. It's so good. What order are you doing for that series? I do Throne of Glass. Okay, so I go one, two, three, and then I go back to Assassin's Blade. Mm -hmm. And then I do, I also do the tandem read. Oh, okay. Okay, because I know everybody has... I just know that everybody kind of has their own different way that they order, you know, that they do the series a little bit. I found this one online and I really liked it when I read it the first time through. So why mess with a good thing, right? Yeah. And then what I've been doing, actually what Samantha and I have been doing and obsessing over is Dancing with the Stars. Yes. And we literally just watched the semifinal. Oh my Lord. Like right right before we started recording and probably uh, literally nobody listening is gonna care nobody listening is gonna care about this but our minds were blown yeah. because the <laughs> the elimination oh so my god what you need to understand about this current season oh of dancing with the stars is there are four couples well there are four celebrities that are pretty decent dancers mm-hmm. and then there <laughs> there's one allison hannigan oh, who god bless her, her heart is just not on the same level. She just isn't. She's trying so hard, no. though. <laughs> so we get to the eliminations. Like I said before, bear in mind, this is the semifinal. Uh, and we get to the eliminations. Samantha and I are like, okay, yeah. this It's her time to go. Like, we love her, but she's just not as good. Also, and so, also at the end of the night, she was, six, she was in the bottom. And she, the next person above her was six points ahead of her. Like, it wasn't close. Yeah. No, it's not close. All the top teams are within like three points of each other, yeah. and then there's Allison. And then there's Allison. <laughs> Way at the bottom. But so we get to where they're calling the elimination, and so the host is like, "Okay, um, the first uh, the first couple that is safe to dance in the final is Allison and Sasha." We're just like, "What?" That I were like, "What?" I wish you all could see the progression of my messages to Kelsey during this. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then okay so we're sitting there and we're like oh okay okay so it was not allison that must mean that it's the bachelorette contestant that is on this year because she like she's one of the better dancers but i don't know that she has that big of a fan base yeah and she and so- she kind of like there's she's good with the technical part but there's other parts that she doesn't quite get as well and so everybody online and Samantha and I are agreed, okay, so if Allison's not the one going home, it must be charity. Yes. And then the host like, okay, the second couple that's safe to dance in the final is Charity and Artem. And, we're like, and we were like, what? wait, <laughs> wait, <laughs> wait a second. Uh, no. Because then that left Jason Mraz, who's amazing. Ariana Maddox, yes. who's also amazing. From Vanderpump. And then Zochi Gomez, the Marvel star, yes. who is also amazing. She's great. And we're just like, no, not one of these three. And so then, honestly, Samantha, I was like, okay, going off of fan bases, I was like, okay, at this point, I think that it might be Jason now because I don't know that he's as popular because Zochi Gomez has the Gen Z people mm-hmm. and she was a Marvel. Yes. And then Ariana Maddox had arguably the biggest, like scandal of the year <laughs> and she was like she was so talked about that it was on like mainstream media Jesus. not just like reality blogs like i had no idea who she was at the start of the year same 
And then I got <laughs> utterly consumed in Scandaval, and I was obsessed. And then I binged all ten seasons of Vanderpump Rules in like the two month period, <laughs> so I so I could be able to watch the reunions. It was live. all a ploy Anyways. for the ratings. <laughs> Anyways, well, Tom Sandoval is a piece of scum. He was and here. I cannot stand him. He was in. My, he was in Champagne here, like last couple weeks ago. Like some people. Was I it know Tom went... Sandoval and the most extras? Yeah, was it was like his band. Show? Yeah. His cover band. Let's get this straight. Here. <laughs> his cover band. Who he has to pay <laughs> to play with him. Like they don't play with him because they like him. He has to. He pays them, and they have no original songs. I'm not saying this to shit on his band. I'm saying this to shit on Tom Sandoval. <laughs> he is <laughs> scum in human form. I don't even care. Anyways, all this to say, I was like, okay, okay. This is sad, but it's going to be Jason. And then he's called safe. So the bottom two are Ariana and Zochi. And they're the I was best like, two. Okay. Arguably. <laughs> the best two. <laughs> I, uh, my mind at this point was blown. I was so sad. I know that in the grand scheme of things, why do I care about Dancing with the Stars? But I'm invested. Okay. At this point, I'm invested. I've been watching for nine weeks. Yes. We have been watching this entire so time. I- <laughs> Yeah, so I'm just sitting there trying to process these two women. Like poor them, they're literally about to start crying. Yeah, Ariana was about to vomit, literally, and Zochi was tearing up. Oh yeah, and Zochi's seven, like seventeen years I old. I know. And so there's silence, 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 and the host is like, "Okay, the team that is safe to dance in the finale is both of you." And I'm just we're, like, we're like, "What?" <laughs> the fuck is happening right now i don't understand <laughs> it makes so, no yeah. sense honestly that's the energy that we came into this uh <laughs> recording with because we just watched it like right before we started recording yeah that's kind of our routine we watch so, dancing with the stars and then we come and record <laughs> yeah but that ends next week i know setting it's very sad but how are they gonna do the finale with five people yeah i don't know because <laughs> each team gets a freestyle and then a redemption dance apparently jason Mraz is performing charlie d'amelio and mark ballas are performing the winners from last year the pros are performing something because julianne huff is evidently doing something i'm like is this gonna be like a three-hour show probably honestly i don't know i mean it's already a two-hour show what's one more hour <laughs> yeah this is true i'm excited I'm sorry if you didn't want us to go on a 10-minute rant about Dancing with the Stars, but, you know, that's just where my head's at right now. It was intense and horrifying at the same time. But at the end of it, then, I was like, well, I just wasted two hours. What was the point of that? Yeah. Like, this whole episode didn't matter then. (laughs) Everything's made up and the points don't matter. Frustrating. Anyways, what have you been reading? I am still reading A Promised Land by Barack Obama because that book is hella long and I am busy. I was going to say, I, <laughs> it's not surprising to me because I feel like that is a, a thick with three C's. It's over 700 pages of nonfiction, yeah. which he's a wordy guy. He's very he wordy. I mean, although he does make it very, it's an easy read. It's not like a hurt your brain kind of nonfiction read. But it's still time consuming and I'm usually a pretty fast reader, so it's just it's just taking time. I'm like mm. twenty or thirty percent of the way through it, I think. Which is not bad. 
No, that's not bad. Um, as for what I've been watching besides Dancing with the Stars, um, my husband and I watched all of Loki season two over the last like couple days. Um, my plan is to watch that over my Christmas vacation. There you go. Personally, I was not a fan of the ending, but um, you'll have to let me know what you thought of it. I shall. Um, I don't think that spoils anything for you. Um, And then, other than that, I've just been kind of doing work stuff because I am a realtor, so I'm on, you know, it doesn't stop. So I've just been kind Mm. of going through like my databases and trying to get things to work the way I want them to work, which is frustrating sometimes with technology and CRMs and such. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I am a, an accountant, like a finance manager. Mm-hmm. And so I spend my days dealing with Excel. So I know all about frustrating. Yeah. Well, especially since we have like three or we have like two or three different databases too, which they have like the bulk of them do the same thing, but there's subtle differences that make it worth it to have the other one. But it's still frustrating because then I feel like I'm putting in everything twice. And I hate that. <laughs> I want just one thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So we will be discussing Iron Flame Connections shortly, but first be sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast wherever you're listening to us. This really helps us like move up the charts, gain more visibility. So if you could do that, leave us a review when you rate, that would be great. Yeah, apparently we're ranked in uh, Canada. <laughs> yeah, and Norway. Oh, and Norway. All right. And the Czech Republic. Awesome. Shout out to those <laughs> listeners. <laughs> um, you can find our Instagram at Readers Quadrant Podcast. And you can email us at readersquadpod at gmail.com. And we've been hyping it up all episode, but be sure to join our Discord. A link is posted on our Instagram bio. I post it in our stories occasionally. It's also posted in the show notes to this episode. It's a ton of fun. So just hop on there. You can chat with us. You can argue with my sister about how Dane is actually the worst. (laughs) You can also submit questions for us to read on our podcast. Mm -hmm. So if you want to be part of the assembly meeting, you can do that as well and we don't just discuss fourth wing like you can talk about literally whatever you want Mm -hmm. you could share a picture of your adorable pet or talk about how Mm. you're working out or what you're cooking or even what you're watching or reading um Mm. (laughs) anyway um warning 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 we will now be discussing any connections from this chapter to iron flame if you have not yet read iron flame This will be your last chance to stop listening. We will see you next week. So for my path, I have Dane touches her face after he finds her in the courtyard. Do you think he read her memories then? I know he said he only did it the once, but I don't buy it. I I feel like uh, we don't know how much control he had over his signet at this point in time. Like I feel like he probably did get better Mm -hmm. as the year goes on because... Everyone does. The more you learn about it, the better you get. I don't know. He's such a piece of shit. Like I know. I'm inclined to say yes. Yeah. Whether or not it was on purpose, that I don't know. Fair. 
Um, and then, as we talked about, he has a book on the Crovlin language. And was that the language that he used, or that they she asked him to help with translating for those journals? I honestly, I don't know. I couldn't say. Because it was like one that she was like, Dane knows this language. And Zane's like, oh, we got to talk yeah. to him. <laughs> yes. I think it might have been. I think it might have been. Yeah. Just to kind of call back to our assembly meeting with Marguerite's question. Um, that is actually kind of discussed in the holiday edition chapters of Fourth Wing. Um, you kind of learn a little bit about that and frankly I didn't want to say this during the regular episode I think maybe she's kind of checking Violet out because she knows that Zayden is going to have to protect her now now that Violet crossed the parapet like I'm, she knows about that deal so she's probably like okay let me see this girl we gotta mm. protect now well, and evidently the Empyrean has been discussing Violet yes because we know that Andarna heard these discussions when she was in an egg. Yes, she heard the elders talking about it. So, I mean... Yeah. They already knew. So I would assume all the dragons are curious about her at this point. Maybe that's why eight of them showed up. Maybe. That seems like a lot. Because, okay, <laughs> what was it? Okay, it was the four wing leaders. Yeah, who who else was it? It's a lot of dragons. Because it, Gen- it wasn't General Melgan's black dragon. No. We know that much. No, there was no black dragon there. So maybe it was Panchex. Maybe. But, like, what are the other three? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Interesting. I have... Okay, so we now know that Zayden moved Violet into his wing so that he could better protect her to keep the promise he made to her mother. Yes. Um, This is totally at odds with what Violet thinks. I know. She believes that he's doing it so that he can punish her, which is funny because he wouldn't because he made this agreement. Like, even before he falls in love with her, like, he's not going to hurt her because he made this bargain. Yeah. But she also has everybody, like, especially Dane, like, in her head telling her that, oh, he's going to kill you. He's going to kill you. Oh, fuck. Like, every know, chance he like, gets. Especially when we get, especially once we get into, like, I think it's the next chapter where Zayden, like, looks at Violet and Dane's like, run, Violet, run. Yeah. What and the like, fuck okay. was that about? It's a little dramatic. Just a lot. You know, and it never gets whatever. brought up again. <laughs> like just never um, Zayden's never like why did you run away <laughs> she's like it's never brought up again ever uh, okay so then we noted that there was like this wide variety like dragons of every color pretty much Except and the only one. ones that were missing was yellow which we see and Darna is later is it yellow I thought it was and, just iridescent oh no no I mean like when she's a feather tail she's gold oh right? yes when she's a feather tail yeah which I think all th- are all feather tails gold? I think that's the understanding that they have, but they hardly ever see them, so I don't know. I thought, because I think... Um, but I think so, because they don't know what color they're going to be. Yeah, because I think uh, Taryn mentions that they don't know, like the elders know, but that's it. So like every, they must be like the same color to everybody else, I'm guessing. Yeah. Um, so there's that. So, so Darna at this point in time kind of fills that void. And then it's interesting because Violet kind of represents white. Mm-hmm. She, like we said last time, Violet is more the absence of color than any, like actual color. Then you have Taryn, who's black, mm-hmm. and then Andarna in Iron Flame kind of represents all the colors that the other two don't have because she can kind of like shift and meld into her surroundings and everything. Yeah. Um, and then the last note I have is that Violet says dragons need the riders to weave the wards. Mm-hmm. And we now know 
that the riders actually need the dragons to get the wards up. Yeah. <laughs> they're fired. It's, it's a very symbiotic thing in a way. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like that just tells you at this point in time how little they know, they actually know about the wards. Mm-hmm. Like nobody really understands them. And just how much was lost to time. I feel like that is, that is such a huge oversight. Like your wards are failing and nobody even thought to like, maybe we should, you know, look into this. I think it's just arrogance. They have their dragons, and so they're just like, you know, it's just hubris. They think they're fine because they have their dragons, and the wards are not fully down. They're getting there, but it's like they're able to patch the holes up in the meantime. Mm. And then another thing I wanted to point out is that learning about General Melgren's, Melgren's signet in this, we learn in Iron Flame that it's not nearly as powerful as previously thought. Yeah. But what do you think it is about the Rebellion Relics that hinders that connection? Yeah, that is so weird. I mean, and we learn about that in Fourth Wing, I believe. I think I remember that we learning about that there. It, it's, that, that he can't see it with three. Yeah, yes, with three or more. Yeah. Here in this book. It, it's almost like the dragons, I feel like the dragons did it on purpose. Like they felt bad about what the humans were doing. Like they, they didn't think it was right either. And so they were trying to do what small part they could to help those kids. Yeah. I mean, do you think it's some kind of ruin? Like rune? Oh, maybe. Like that kind of magic? And maybe, I wonder what else it can do. I don't know, because it's just like, what about that? Because, okay, the relics were given by whose dragon? Oh, was it Melgren's? Was it? Or was it? Was it Melgren's? Or was it Lilith's? They were created by Koda, the dragon of General Melgren. Interesting. Do you think he did that on purpose? He would almost have to, right? As they always say, dragons don't make mistakes. What the hell? Maybe him and his writer aren't on the same page. I mean, they can keep secrets from their writers. What the hell? Or maybe it was an accident, you know? Maybe dragons don't know everything that they can do. I've just never thought about that. Malgren's dragon gave the kids the rebellion relics and yet... Melgren's ability doesn't let him see anything with three rebellion kids or more. It's kind of ironic, actually. It's interesting. I'm sorry if this has been glaringly obvious to everyone else, but like that just kind of blew my mind. Yeah. I just... And I guess that combined with the way that Koda acts at the end of Iron Flame, he needed he took convincing to get help get the wards back up. That's why I'm a little iffy on if he's like totally in line with what the other like the like scale and Taryn and those people are doing i wonder if he feels that navarre are being cowards he's a giant giant black dragon yeah because he's bigger than Taryn. yeah he's not a coward he wants to go out and fight in my opinion so i bet he feels that the his, the humans of navarre are just being cowards hiding within their wards and he wants to Show them, no, we're not doing this anymore. I don't know. It's just, yeah, it's just or an he, idea. Or he wants to show, or he wants to show Melgren, like, you think you're in charge, but I am actually in charge. Like, I decide how you use this power. Yeah, Melgren tends to forget that the dragons are actually in charge. As we saw. Yeah, much like Jack. Yeah. Kind of like when they're trying to say, oh, no, Violet can't have two dragons. And they're like, no, bitch, that's our decision, not yours. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, actually, you don't you don't get to say. Nope. <laughs> so um, that's all we have for now. So thank you all again so much for listening. And remember, the right way isn't the only way. We would like to thank Kevin McLeod for the use of his song, The Pyre, for our intro and outro music. 